welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back for another ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. I am one of your hosts, Jenny Scott, here with Dan, the man, Duran. How you doing, Dan? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm nursing a headache, Jenny. I knew coming into <laughs> this that Scott Hobson was going to have me laughing so hard that my head would hurt because he always does and true to form. So I'm looking forward to another uh, painful 20 minutes of headache and being entertained by the man. Nice. Well, yes, we do have an amazing guest with us. I've only talked to him for a few minutes and my face hurts like in Toy Story at the end when Barbie's like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> like my face hurts. It does take a lot more muscles to smile or to frown than it does to smile though. So I'll take that. But we are talking about the art of coaching and I love coaching. I am a coach myself. Um, so the art of coaching and Dan, you seem to know everybody and you know our guest today. So I'm going to let you do the honors and introduce him. Thank you, Jenny. It's an honor to introduce Scott Hobson. And uh, I'm only going to touch on a few things because his, his bio, his resume, whatever you want to call it, is long and distinguished. But uh, uh, Scott's former director of education for PowerPlate. He was also the director of education for a lar large health club chain in uh, the UK. He has been coaching a multitude of sports and at a high level, including rugby, and is now a national tennis player which we just found out yeah he got bored guys and picked up the sport <laughs> yeah uh, I think I'll try the sport out uh I know I know he'd been doing some coaching and so forth at that midtown but I think I'll try this out next thing you know he's representing his state see you at Wimbledon uh, Scott yes Wimbledon. <laughs> he was uh also the national fitness director at Midtown Athletic Club so a premier chain of clubs on the east coast and Canada and where I met Scott was co-founder of PTA Global, an education company, and where he is now and what we're going to learn more about is co-founder of Pivotal. So I think I got a, a good share of it, and we're going to let Scott fill in the blanks here in a minute. Yes. Welcome to the show, Scott. Oh, it's great to be here. I've been excited for this. We've had it on the books for a few months, but I'm here, ready to rock and roll. Absolutely. All right. So let's start. Tell us how you started and how did you get to where you are now? Don't skip the tennis story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The cliff note version is, um, you know, in the, the mid nineties living in London, that, that was when I had a really significant transformational moment in my life and woke up to the realization that the only things I really cared about involved coaching. The people that really mattered in my life were the people that coached me and my teammates. Um, and that's why I wanted to give back to the world. So I decided to go back to college and become two things. One was to be a teacher. My first degree was in education. Nice. My dream at the time was to work in a school and also be the physical ed teacher and the rugby coach. That was kind of my dream. And I also did uh, a degree in sport and exercise science. I figured that would go together. So I had no intention of being in this industry that I've now been in for two and a half decades. I thought I'd be in the school system. But the punchline is, doesn't really pay. Job resources, <laughs> none. And I couldn't afford to pay my bills in London. So I became a personal trainer, fitness instructor, whatever you want to call it. 
I think at the time I had like about 12 different certifications. I just went crazy. And I realized that my passion really ultimately, and that's what Pivotal is about today, is empowering human potential. That's actually what we do. And I couldn't think of any better way of doing that than coaching. And as we get into it, I'll explain what that means to me and maybe what the, the key ingredients are. But that's taken me through this entire journey across different continents, countries and cultures, over 100 in the last 20 years. Wow. Uh, literally been fortunate to manage, recruit and develop thousands of coaches and trainers. But maybe the thing I, I, I've loved the most is, is not only coaching coaches, but teaching teachers. So the people like Dano here and a lot of our good friends in the industry who are the ones teaching others, I do that too. I teach teachers on the art of what it is to draw out rather than dump in, because that's essentially what teaching is and what education is. So, yeah, that's any given moment. I could be coaching high school soccer, high school rugby. I could be working with Olympic associations, professional soccer in Brazil, consulting with leading health clubs, running our own company, coaching coaches. It's the same thing. If there's one or a multitude of human beings in front of me, I'm coaching them. That's awesome. And you don't have a favorite either. You love them all equally. Yeah. There was a time where I thought I had to kind of drill down because we tell people you have to do that, get very clear. And there's validity to that. But ultimately, I'm here to hopefully together with those I serve, leave the world a little better than we found it. So I don't really want to leave anyone out. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. You want to touch as many people as I just heard a theme here that I've heard more than once. And I'm curious, just curious if maybe uh, Jenny uh, falls in this boat. That's what I wanted to do, Scott. I wanted to be a high school teacher, mm-hmm. teach PE, uh, biology or physical science, and coach football, nice. like real football, American football. <laughs> the one <laughs> real football. Uh oh. The one where you use your hands, handball. Is that the one? You're talking about? I know. That's the, that's always the rebuttal. You don't use your feet. You use your hands. So you're right. You're it's right. The padded version uh, of rugby. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was the folks like Scott that taught me. There's a different version of that called footy. So footy is different from football. Yeah. And it's oh, faster paced, yeah. right? Yeah. Is it like volleyball and volleyball? <laughs> he would is um uh a mannerism a, a phrase we use to mean football but in other parts of the world southern hemisphere foot is like australian rules football that's a whole different sport oh the that's right football, it. it basically means at some stage there's a bunch of men and women with a pigskin in their hands trying to hurt other people <laughs> the rules will change the rules will change but that's the basic premise they're collision sports not contact you know, collision. <laughs> <Truth. blocking> someone else. <laughs> Jenny, was that something you wanted to do? I'm just curious. Um, I didn't necessarily want to teach. My mom was actually a teacher and she's very passionate about it. She actually still teaches at 74. She teaches health classes at the local hospital down by her house and here in Arizona. And she loves it. And it was volunteer, but now they pay her, which is awesome. Um, but no, I never wanted to teach, but I, I knew, I didn't realize until I was probably about 23 that fitness was something that I loved and that I wanted to share it with people. Um, so for me, it took me going through a transformation because for the longest time I love animals. And so I studied zoology and microbiology and all my tattoos on my arms are different animals. I have like literally a zoo on my arm, including this little giraffe named Gerald. He's adorable. And I got him for my mom. Um, but yeah, I wanted to work in a zoo. 
believe it or not. And then I realized that with a bachelor's degree in zoology, you know what you can do in a zoo? You can grab a shovel is what you can do. <laughs> you cannot work with the animals. <laughs> and you need a, a master's degree in like conservation or some kind of conservation biology in order to work with, with animals directly. And I, I just didn't pursue it. Um, and I ended up opening up a dog daycare and a boarding facility in Arizona and dog training and like doing all this other stuff. And that's why I have so many dogs. Um, but then I found out there's other ways to, uh, to help people and to still, still work with animals and the children that I coach, I consider them animals. They're like little kittens. <laughs> there's, there's the, there's, there's the tie-in, right? Scott? right? You know, I could, teachers that done pay, it's not the way to go. I think I'm going to do something. You, you said I could get a degree and I, I, I own a shovel. I'm like, that's kind of like being a teacher in elementary school in London. That's pretty much all they pay you to right? do. Is- <laughs> get you a shovel, get you a little switch, run around. Popping people in the hands. <laughs> There's a common thread in what we're all saying, which is that fundamentally, if you take out the titles of coach, teacher, instructor titles, it all does come down to this concept of some kind of, I want to be of service to something other than myself. Absolutely. That's, that's the red thread, is that I fundamentally want to be great at what I do because I'm here to help something or someone else. And I think all of those titles share that, that red thread. You know what I mean? So take out the title, and I think the job description is kind of the same. Uh, that's a great that's observation. Great observation. Coming at you with another ISSA rapid review. Here's what Octavia in Nevada had to say about the certified personal training course. It was an awesome class. I learned so much information to discipline myself and set goals for my business. We're so glad you loved it, Octavia. Thanks for sharing. Circling back to coaching, because I could talk to, to, to Scott all day long and uh, about all we could talk about all kinds of things. Um, when I think about coaching and having seen what you're capable of and what you do and how you deliver, there's clearly a difference um, in what I've personally seen you do and teach uh, with what I think many would consider this coaching or status quo coaching and what is good coaching. So in your opinion, what is the difference between a good coach and a great coach? Somebody who's truly mastered that, that art. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I knew it was coming. And it's one of those that could become a thesis of an answer. So what I'll try to do is give you, in my opinion, my experience and understanding. That's what they, in my experience and therefore my understanding today, the key ingredients of world-class coaching. And we'll probably, you know, go down a rabbit hole on one or two of them. Can't do all of them. Uh, but there's always another time. I think number one to the art of coaching is clarity. Confidence in the absence of clarity is a train wreck. Our industry is filled with confident trainers, instructors, coaches, so confident, but you don't have a clear path of where you're going. So I, I would extrapolate that to the whole world. Confidence in the absence of clarity is a train wreck. Now, what do you need clarity in? Number one, defining what your role is. So for me, it's very clear. I've been saying this for about, since 2009, start PTAC. It forced me to question, what is a coach? And that's with my obsession with language. Ironic for a kid that got kicked out of school at 15. <laughs> I know, fascination with language, another story. It's true, didn't graduate high school. I, um, the word coach is a 14th century word. It comes from stagecoach. Check this out. This is my job description because I learned this. A coach is a vehicle of transportation carrying people from where they are to where they want to be. I can't think of a better job. 
Now, I've added to that from who they are to who they want to become. We are vehicles of transportation, helping people get from A to B. That's, that's it. So first of all, clarity. What on earth is it that you do? But then you need clarity of what typically you hear vision, mission, and values, right? Mm -hmm. The way I think of that is vision. What's the, the why? What's the why? Because when you get up as a coach or a trainer instructor, 6 a.m. clients, 5 a.m. clients, then you're dead in the morning, couple at lunchtime, dead in the afternoon, evening. Right, you've done a 14-hour day but been paid for six. You're yeah. doing that five-day week and you're giving up your weekends when you want to be with your kids or partners or whatever it is. And at the end of it, you've done a 60-hour week but you've been paid 35 hours. And you're in an industry that says if you want to earn more, you've got to grind more. Okay, I already am. So that will burn you out real quick unless you are very clear on why I exist, my vision. The vision rarely changes, but it will lead to your mission, what you do, that will change. The pandemic shows that. What you were doing isn't what you're doing now, but it serves the same vision. And then the big one for me, and I think it's gonna lead into later questions maybe, is your values. How you show up, the why, the what, the how. And so a lot of people, when you say, why do you do what you do? I've never met anyone, good coach or not good coach, who's in this industry for the wrong reason. It's always to help people. But that's very nebulous. There's no clarity to that. Yeah. Why do you want to help people? What are you going to do to help them? And how are you going to show up? I think I've never seen a certification or degree that says, before you do the thing you're going to do, why are you here? What exactly are you going to do? And how do you intend to show up? Because without that, you will see the difference between great coaches, Ian O'Dwyer, as an example, and very average coaches. Ian never lacks a vision. He knows exactly why it exists, how he's going to show up, and he knows exactly what he's going to do. And if he's being asked to do something that doesn't fit that, he simply will say, thanks, but no thanks, mate. No interest. It doesn't align. It's not congruent to my vision, mission, and values. Then it gets into the geeky stuff. Okay, so what are your guiding principles as a coach? Because there are hundreds of methodologies, thousands of techniques. If you anchor to that, you're lost. There's always going to be a new opinion. Yeah. And whatever research says today, 10 years from now, we'll look back and go, oh, turns out we weren't right. 40 years ago, we encouraged smoking. <laughs> turns out today we've got a picture of death on the packet. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? Like, if you anchor to the latest facts of the day, good luck. What are your guiding principles? Right? Now, if you have guiding principles, it will lead to a system. Most coaches don't have a system. They have a conglomerate of facts and theories and techniques, but no, what's your system? Which means it's got to be robust enough to change. But what a system does, for me anyway, is it means if when there's an input to the system, Bob, Mary, Paint, whatever it is, there's generally a predictable outcome. So if you bring me a 15 year old rugby player versus a 65 year old with double hip replacement versus a 40 year old with autoimmune disease, Versus what's the system that I plug them all into that says I have a really good shot. They're coming out the other end with an upgraded life. And then within that, you've got your methodology, training components, techniques. But I, I think all of that's secondary. A great coach says, hold on. What's my guiding principles? That when in doubt, I anchor to that. Now I can throw this into the system and I should get a repeatable and reliable outcome. Mm -hmm. So, which is why when someone says to me, Hoppo, what would you do for fill in blank, back pain, 
tight hamstrings, bigger, faster, stronger, off season, in season. What would you do? So I don't know yet. You haven't given me any information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It depends. That's my answer to this. It, That's the answer to everything. It depends. On what? <laughs> context. In the absence of context, there is nothing I can tell you. I think we lack principles and systems of context way more than we do methodology. We, we put all our energy over here. What's your principles and systems of a context? That back pain could be stress, emotional, mental, spiritual, nutritional, funky sleeping, don't like their life, gut inflammation because they're eating the wrong foods out of an emotional trigger and now their abdominals are turned off. What do you mean, what would you stretch for back pain? Who says it's a tight muscle? They might just hate their life. That causes back pain. It's true, yeah. So for me, principles, system, then you can get into methodology. You've got to have clarity. Next layer, right? Big. You know I love to make complex simple, Dan, right? So man. hard skills and soft skills. Eh. No, 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 no. There's only two kinds of skills I think a coach needs. Only two. Number one, technical skills. There's a whole list of technical skills. Whole list of technical skills, right? Think of it. How many techniques you got to know? But then there's human skills. Not soft skills, I hate that word. Hard skill, hard skill. There's technical stuff I got to know. How to assess movement, mobility, stability, strength, power, stretching, recovery, assessment. And then there's the human skills. We rarely get told about those. Yeah. The human being that resides inside the human body that has a mind, a heart, a spirit. And that's what's driving the bus. In fact, all this mechanical stuff is the result of what's internally going on. I believe that. So uh, for me, technical skills, human skills. Do you have what you need to get the job done? You know what I mean? If, if that car is going 200 laps in a, in, a, in a race and it comes into the pit stop once every 50 laps, well, does it need the tires pumped up? Does it need more gas? Is it the suspension? Is it alignment? Is the driver out of whack? What's going on? Do you need to change the tires from a, a, a fast track to a slow track, from a dry to a wet? All the technical, right then we've got all the human. I think that's way deeper and longer than this list. So a great coach is like, hold on, let me fill up my human skill bucket <laughs> a little bit. And that gets into all kinds of things, mindset, communication, listening, empathy, compassion. <laughs> and then finally, I think you've got to have a model of coaching, your own personal model. What are the pillars that you anchor to in a model of coaching? For example, if you say I have a client centric model of coaching how are you going to back that up if you don't have any tools in your toolbox that show me motivational interviewing listening skills feedback forms if you don't have any tool how can you tell me you have a client-centered approach or model when i don't see any skill sets or tools that show me that you're putting the client first so you need an actual coaching model that's on your wall like here are my pillars yeah so actually, that, that's right under mission, vision, value is here are my pillars, my coaching code. That's what I've got, my code, my code of coaching. That leads to my model. That leads to my system, my methods. And then we get to the bottom of techniques. Our industry tends to start here. I think it's an upside down model. And the last thing, the pursuit of mastery. The great, great, great ones are relentlessly engaged in the pursuit of mastery. And everyone... Those words mean like relentlessly engaged in the pursuit of mastery, which means you'll never get there. 
It's an ideal vision of a future state that never materializes, but you're going to do everything on the way to, to see how close you can get. Yeah. Like it, it's, there's no, I don't believe in success as a word. I believe in mastery. Mastery is a, it's not a linear. It's a curve linear. It's the never ending. There's no end point. And one of the biggest problems we have in our industry is you have a lot of times where you're like, I'm sick of it. I'm tired. I'm burnt out. It doesn't feel good anymore. The great ones they're okay. They're aware of that. They accept it. And somehow they find a way to reinvent, redefine, and come back with more engagement than ever. Was that too much for one question? I don't even know. That makes so much sense though. When you think about it, like there's, it seems like a lot when people hear like all the things that a, a great coach has to have, but once you set it up and once you put it together and once you figure it out, what are your pillars? What are, what do you stand for? What are your values, your mission, all those things? then you don't have to think about it again. You just live by that, right? And that's why you put it on your wall so you can see it. And then you just follow along with it. And then you don't have to think about it every day when you're trying to do a program every day. You know what that brings up is a really, this is a more, last four or five years, I've gone down this route of emergent listening. Now, Dan, you remember from P-Tech, we, I would say we were one of the forebearers of bringing the idea of listening skills to the industry, right? No question, no question. Uh, Especially Bobby Capucha. I mean, just, he was so far ahead. He's a lunatic, but he's a brilliant lunatic. And he's got the bleeding edge, right? Um, and what I did is it took me down a rabbit hole. And Bobby was a big one on, hey, you've got your, your active listening, then you've got empathetic listening. But what I've discovered in the last few years is emergent listening. And it's, it's a whole different level. And the reason I bring it up is because, Jenny, you said, like, hey, you don't have to remember anything if you just anchor to this. A quote that I anchor to is this. When you say the truth, you don't have to remember anything. I'm done with trying to remember facts. I'm done with trying to remember exercises and techniques. What I am going to do is anger to the truthful principles, the truth of my system, the truth of my pillars. And then what shows up shows up because it's going to change. The minute someone walks through the door, it's going to change anyway. Based on how they slept, their emotional state, their physical health, it, my program changes. So I have to anchor to something else. And one of those things is emergent listening the capacity to leave space in a relationship and not try to fix, manage, and control based on a preconceived plan you got. you got got principles, but we're more of a GPS. I know exactly how I'm getting into Indiana. And then there's a car crash. Recalculate the route. Yeah. What's your coordinates? Recalculate the route. And that's one of the core skill sets of a great coach is we're not only not scared of being a GPS, we kind of thrive off it. Like, it's at the moment of surprise we really become our greatest when it's not predictable, when it's unknown. In fact, it's life, right? I mean, it's what we know, what we don't know, and what we don't know, we don't know. That's the magic. When you're confident enough to say, well, I've studied, I've applied, I've had my feedback, I continue to improve and develop, but I'm pretty sure the magic is in the unknown and I'm okay with that. Like something will emerge that I hadn't even conceived was possible. Yeah. Emergent listening is, wow. Otto Sharma from uh, Theory U. Otto Sharma, Theory U. Four levels of learning, uh, listening. Level four is emergent. Game changer. And we all do it every day with different people in our life. It's just hard to do it with clients. Sure. Especially if you don't <laughs> like them. Really hard. <laughs> well, and there's people in your life you should do it better with, at least in my case. Uh, yeah, I've left, a, I've left my child at daycare more than once. I told oh, you no. to pick him up. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, 
You were just coaching I, resilience. Efficiency. <laughs> that's what you were coaching. Well, and, and I actually learned from you and the team uh, at PTA Global through the instructor teaching about multi-sensory communication. And that's what fixed that problem. I, the true story, I kept leaving my kid at the, uh, the daycare. And, and finally, after learning all of what I learned and eventually taught, my wife would then touch me, look at me, tell me, and then have me repeat back to her so that we had all of the multi-sensory communication going. I never forgot him again. True story. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for saving my marriage, Scott. I, really <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the, one of the lines that stands out to summarize all of that kind of blah, that I just put out there is, I think ultimately a, a great coach in any industry, we spoke about this, with animals, with humans, in education, in whatever. I did it, I'm here to be of service and help people fulfill their potential, whatever that is, is I think we need to shift the inner place from which we operate, from one of downloading and debating, right, to one of collective creativity. So downloading is the idea that I'm just going to listen with a confirmational bias to hear the facts that already validate what I believe. Sure. I'm not open to the idea that I'm wrong, let alone you're right, or there's something else. And then we debate. It's not about understanding, it's about agreement. That never works. Yeah. I don't have to agree with anyone I coach, but I've got to seek to understand them. The next level is, but what if we just kept space? And there's what you think, there's what you don't know and what you know, there's what I think, what I know and what I don't know, and then there's what we don't know we don't know. What if that's the answer? That's only possible if we create space for each other. That leads to collective intelligence, the idea of divergent innovation. Uh, Matthew Saeed has done incredible work. Rebel ideas, that will change what you think. And if you think of any other industry, that's what's created the next evolution. Exactly. Is divergent innovation. And our industry is very stuck on reformation. We reform the same ideas in our industry and we think we're innovative. Every now and then. But we don't really evolve. We just reform. But yeah, if you look it's always at still in the box. I wouldn't say we're in the box, man. We, we, when you look at how many people come to health clubs, how many people regularly engage, how many people would hear more than six months, how many coaches last more than six months, look at attrition rates, look at penetration rates, hasn't budged in 25 years. Yet billions of dollars of investment in resources, facility, careers, education, but we haven't shifted the dial of effectiveness. I call that, uh, uh, what I call it, persistent dysfunction. The problem with success, repeated success, which usually means you made a ton of money as a club, is dysfunctional persistence. You just keep doing what you've always done because it always works. Yeah, but it doesn't now because we've had a pandemic and everyone's broke and they're scared. So your model doesn't work, now what? And if there's no innovation, yeah. hmm, there's no growth. So often repeated success becomes dysfunctional persistence. So Scott, would you say that dysfunctional persistence though applies to coaches oh, or people that are trainers, yes. like that are just doing the same thing and with, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's their, their clients aren't getting results and they're like scratching their head, like how, what kind of things can they do to develop that? Start, oh, that's a good question. And I know we got the 10 minute mark 10 minutes ago. So I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> Two things. There's a couple of things and I'll, I'll start here and I'll dial it in quickly. First thing you've got to ask yourself as a coach is what is it I would like to have show up in my life and career that isn't currently? What is it I would like to have show up in my life and career that isn't? 
Second one, much harder. What is it that shows up in my life and career that I don't want anymore? Because mm -hmm. until you're willing, willing and ready to let go of the things that don't serve you, it's unlikely you're going to discover the things that now serve you. And so we will say things like, man, everyone's going to do the same assessment, but no one's the same. Yeah. Everyone's going to train like this, but no one's got the same architecture or, ca or capacity or purpose. Okay, everyone's going to go through this exact same workout for six weeks, but what if they don't like it? Can't squat past parallel, but what if they've got a knee impingement, hip impingement, or their center of gravity not over their base of support because they fold up differently biomechanically? I mean, we could go on like this, this oh, I'm going to stick to what I've always done, well, then there's no learning. There's no growth. There's no innovation. I have found that often what we have to do is let go of the old. We've got to empty the chalice out before we can fill it up. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think there's a lot of layers to that. One is being willing and ready to ask for help. I don't know. Right? That's the first thing. But then if you know what it is you would like to show up in your life, I, would be more, I want to be more effective with my coaching skills. I want to have more results with my clients. I want people to have more retention and come more often. I would love my clients to be more engaged in owning their own program. Okay, but you have a side in that. You just put everything on the, on the client. What's your side in that? Go find the people that seem to have had that show up in their life. You can get it through education, get it through certifications, uh, Con Ed. Personally, I think mentors are underrated. Go yeah. find yourself a mentor. I've had Absolutely. several in my life that I'm like, you seem to have something I don't have. Seems to make your life better. How the heck did you do it? And guess what? That means you've got to pay for it. You've got to show up. You've got to sacrifice. There's no growth without a commitment and a sacrifice. You can't just say, hey, I'm going to go online and do the latest, whatever it is, online learning. At some stage, you're going to have to be in front of a human being that can observe you, give you feedback, and upgrade you. You can't do it alone. I tried for, for a long time. Never worked. <laughs> If only I could have done it alone, and if only I could have written a script, if, if everything would have stayed where I put it, it would be great. I've learned that you've got to ask for help, and then you've got to be willing to say, I'm going to commit to that, and it's going to be a sacrifice. I, I, I can't tell you how many years, accumulatively, I've not been around my kids, because my pursuit of mastery was to go study under people better than me. My curiosity, that's a big one. You've got to have a relentless curiosity. And it usually kicks in for the great ones when stuff goes wrong, not when it goes right. Yeah. Not like, oh, that didn't go right. Ooh, went wrong. What happened? Yeah. And who might know? Because I clearly didn't. <laughs> yeah. You've got to seek out. You know, uh, uh, one of my favorite quotes is, contemplate yourself as surrounded by the conditions you intend to manifest. Contemplate yourself as surrounded internally and externally for me by the conditions that's everything you intend to manifest. if you want to be great contemplate what that would look like feel like smell like picture yourself as a great human great coach great partner great parent whatever it is and say if that was who i was what would i think like feel like act like what would i be doing on a daily basis if that was me example i'd love to have less stress in my life peace of mind think forwards years your ideal you is stress-free. What do you think they're doing? They're probably moving every day. Yeah, what else? Not checking emails at night. What else? Breathing, meditating, connecting people they love, being in nature, whatever it is in your list. Okay, now how many of those did you do today? None. That's your dissonance. Because the vision you have for yourself requires you doing things of which you're doing nothing right now. So to be a great coach, you've got to envision what would a great coach have 
technical skills, human skills, systems, principles. Go find the people that have it and ask them, teach me. Cost time and money. Yeah. That's super cool. So that's possible. Did I even answer the question? Oh, I was just going to say, it sounds like that's what you guys do with Pivotal. Um, when you guys are coaching the coaches, you're teaching them how to do these things. Because like you said, it costs time and money and it's it's effort. But you guys seem to be a really good resource for people who want to better themselves and find that ideal person or seek that mastery. Oh, lovely. Thank you. Yes, we do. That's kind of our, that's our jet fuel every day that gets us up when life isn't going well, when you are tired, when you're stressed with kids, health, whatever, that... It's like, wow, I, I want to get up and empower human potential today. And so we have our online mentorships and certifications. We have our favorite, the live, which will be coming back soon. I believe the world is reopening. Nice. Um, and we do them privately. So we'll go into professional soccer teams or private health clubs and do it for their internal teams. But we have our own public ones. So you can go on our website and see like, oh, there's the mentorship or the group coaching certification or the youth certification. Or, and you just join us. They're always in iconic places around the world because that's kind of, you know, you, you want to be around amazing people in amazing places doing amazing things, right? You don't want to be in the bottom <laughs> of a basement of a conference room. You want to be on a beach in Hong Kong. Right. So they're always global events. It attracts like-minded and like-hearted leaders from around the world that are all searching, striving. And they're three to four-day events. Um, we provide the breakfast, the lunch, the evening as he would know, the, the evening uh, uh -huh. frivolity. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Entertainment. <laughs> you know, how can you say you're here to empower human potential without community? I, I don't, don't get it. You, you, you can't. So, yeah, we've got the online, we've got the technical, we've got the methodology and the systems, but what we really offer is what it is to be a great coach around movement, coaching and programming. We don't teach you another recipe. We teach you the key ingredients of a head chef. Because at the end of the day, your recipe is going to be based on who walks through the door. But how are you going to be a head chef until you first been a sous chef? And you can't be a sous chef until you've been a line chef. Some people need to learn to dice and chop and cut. Some people need to say, oh, I've got that. But how do I make these cool recipes? And, and then the head chef says, the food's the easy part. How do I create the experience so my customers keep coming back? Uh, that's a new one, Scott. I love that. Yeah, good analogy. So we just, we, we literally, our opening slide is we're here to give you the key ingredients for infinite recipes around mindset, coaching, movement, programming. And then we share our collectively 45 years experience working with the leading brands in the world. So whether you're a personal trainer, a fitness instructor, a strength condition coach, or whatever it is, if you're coaching human beings through movement, mindset, programming, we've got some pretty cool ingredients. Scott, can you, can you, uh, because we're a podcast, can you make sure to share with the listeners how to contact you or how, and on your website URL and so forth? Because Haley will kill me. I tend to get so engaged. Then she's like, did you tell them how to contact us? I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> several ways. First of all, you can find us pivotal coaching. Um, and that'll be on everything. Our website, pivotal coaching.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, you know, the usual stuff, pivotal coaching. And emails. One of the things we commit to is a 24-hour response to emails. It's one of our pillars. You had enough curiosity and relentless engagement to reach out, so you deserve a response. So it's scott at pivotalcoaching.com, Haley, H-A-Y-L-E-Y, at pivotalcoaching.com. So email, Instagram, Facebook, and the website. 
I think that, that's how you get hold of us, right? I'm not giving out my phone number. <laughs> I was tempted to give an Ian O'Dwyer's. Can you imagine if OD was getting all these calls? Uh, can we like to speak to <laughs> Actually, that would be brilliant. Anyway, we used to make a joke about that when I worked in law enforcement was to, uh, to, to, to carry somebody else's business cards, when, uh, like a coworker. Or, and then things started to go sideways. You pull your name tag off, and when they say "ask for your name," you give them your partner's name uh, business card. Rude. There you go. So, no, yeah, we never did it. I never. That's kind of what we do. Um, but our, our passion is people. You know, relationships is is the thing. I don't I don't call it health or fitness or performance or sport anymore. We're just in the people industry, and the most important thing we do is create meaningful and significant relationships. The rest. Is, you know x's and o's that's important but if, if the relationship isn't meaningful or significant they tend to not come back <laughs> right mic Very drop cool. mic yeah. drop right there there's yeah. there's the little the, the the clip for promoting it thank you scott so much for your time Absolutely. Scott, very, very insightful. You have a very good way of breaking things down to make it very, very clear. So there's your clarity. Um, I appreciate it. That was amazing. Oh, that's my old t-shirt. Making Dan's the complex simple. That's exactly <laughs> what he just said. Making oh. the complex simple. That's what Jenny said too. I love yeah. it. Yes. Thanks well, for thank having you me. so much. Yeah, I can't Absolutely. An hour's gone already. So, you know, that could have gone for a couple more hours, quite honestly. Absolutely. We'll have to make that happen for sure. We'll have to have you guys back. And I look forward to checking out some of your other CEUs that you offer. Very interesting stuff. All right. Wonderful. Hope to see you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Scott. Dan, any last words for our listeners today? Uh, uh, Just grateful. Grateful to be learning. Grateful to be here. Yeah. Kind of speechless again. So thank you again, Scott. Absolutely. And I'm not very often speechless, but I am. So the last thing I will say is what I always close with, make good choices. We will talk to you guys soon. There's a lot of exciting stuff happening here at ISSA. As Dan and I share fun conversations about spreading health and wellness, we have an amazing sales team behind the scenes working day in and day out to connect with you as you pursue your career in health and fitness. We're growing this dynamic sales team, and I invite you to consider a career here at ISSA. These are full-time opportunities offering lucrative pay and incentives and great benefits, including health insurance, 401k, paid time off, exclusive discounts on fitness products, and free certifications. Are you in? Then email nowhiring at issaonline.com today, and a member of our recruiting team will contact you with details. Transform your career and transform lives at ISSA.